Good morning. It's Wednesday, 13th of May, 2020. You're listening to On This Day with Brian Byrne. On the 13th of May, 1914, Joseph Lewis Barrow was born in Alabama to parents who were children of former slaves. His father was committed to a mental institution two years later. Some years afterwards, his mother remarried, having been told that her first husband was dead. The family moved to Detroit in Michigan after being harassed by a gang from the Ku Klux Klan. It was the Great Depression and many youngsters in Joe's family situation and skin colour would end up in gang activity. Instead, Joe spent time at a local youth recreation centre and became interested in boxing. He didn't tell his mother who wanted him to play the violin. When he made his debut at the age of 17, he signed in only with his two forenames, Joe Lewis. It's the name by which he was known ever after in a career that made him one of the greatest heavyweight boxers of all time. Joe lost that debut fight to an opponent who later became an Olympics boxer. But he subsequently built up a string of club and city victories, eventually winning the Detroit area Golden Gloves Open division in the light heavyweight classification. By the end of his amateur career, Joe had listed 53 contests, winning 50, 43 of those by a knockout. That brought him to the attention of professional promoters, and he was initially managed by a bookmaker named John Roxborough. Roxborough had cautioned the young fighter against going with a white manager. He said they were only interested in money they could make without proper investment in training, health or giving their fighters a shot at main titles. In his first year as a professional, Joe won all of his 12 bouts, 10 of them by knockout. In the style of the time, he gained a nickname, the Brown Bomber. There was strong anti-black sentiment in the boxing game at that time, and Roxborough carefully cultivated Joe's image as a modest, clean-living person. Knocking out former heavyweight champion Primo Carnera in 1935 helped, as did his defeat of former title holder Max Baer in that same year. In 1936, Joe was ranked as number one contender in the heavyweight division. Scheduled to fight another former world champion, Max Schmeling, in 1936, he didn't train properly against a fighter he was expected to beat easily. Schmeling, on the other hand, had studied Lewis's style and found a weakness, which he capitalised on by giving the young black man his first professional loss and a knockout. Eventually, in June 1937, Joe got a shot at the title against James J. Braddock. He beat him in the eighth with a knockout that broke the champion's teeth even through his gum shield. Apart from having achieved world championship status, Joe's victory was a moment of celebration for all African Americans. Even before he became champion, they had been following him through every fight. Joe had always hankered after a rematch with Max Schmeling, who had become a national hero in Nazi Germany after his defeat of the Brown Bomber. The fight was arranged for June 1938. It's said that President Roosevelt told Joe in advance that America needs muscles like yours to defeat Germany. Schmeling was accompanied by a Nazi propagandist who hyped the superiority of the white race. This time Joe made no mistake in his training. 
on the night to a radio audience of millions in English, German, Spanish and Portuguese, Joe attacked his opponent so fiercely that Schmeling's trainer threw in the towel after just over two minutes. Joe's career continued well until he joined the US Army in 1942. Seeing his potential as a morale booster, the Army placed him in special services and he travelled some 22,000 miles giving exhibition and charity bouts. Over two million soldiers were entertained in these, where Joe was accompanied by his friend Sugar Ray Robinson. After the war, during which he had also raised some $96,000 in non-paying charity fights, Joe came out of the service in debt. The U.S. taxman was claiming that he was owed on the charity money. Joe was also no longer the fighter he had been. After some poor contests, he retired from boxing in March 1949. But a year later, the Internal Revenue Service told him he owed the government half a million dollars. The truth was, his management hadn't looked after his financial affairs as they should have. Joe had no choice but to go back in the ring. He wasn't successful, and after being knocked through the ropes by undefeated heavyweight contender Rocky Marciano in October 1951, he retired for the last time. Joe had earned more than $4.6 million over his professional career, but had received only $800,000 of that himself, with interest and penalties now having him owe the IRS over $1 million, he had to earn money in other ways. These included taking part in quiz shows, acting as a greeter in a hotel in Las Vegas, and even a short stint as a professional wrestler. He also became heavily involved in professional golf, a game which had been a lifelong passion. However, he had health problems, including heart trouble, and from 1977 he was using a mobility aid. When he died of cardiac arrest in April 1981, President Ronald Reagan waived the eligibility rules for interment in Arlington Cemetery, and Joe Lewis was buried there with full military honours. Over his professional career, Joe Lewis was victorious in 25 title defences. In 2005, he was ranked the best heavyweight of all time by the International Boxing Research Organization, and the Ring magazine put him number one on the list of the 100 greatest punchers of all time.